HomestarRunner.com welcome speech. Take one. Action. Oh, hey yo. Welcome to HomestarRunner.net. It's dot com. Oh, right. HomestarRunner.net. It's dot com. Cut. HomestarRunner.com welcome speech. Take two. Action. Oh, hey yo. I'm HomestarRunner. Nine. Welcome. Welcome. early internet. My compatriots and I rounded a corner. It was a dark hallway that hadn't been seen by outsiders in who knows how many millennia. Probably never. The, the internet didn't exist. We approached the wall and in ancient, strange text that we, wa that we pushed away with, uh, that was covered in dust that we pushed away with our hands. You really didn't think this using one out our ahead torches, of time, did we you? A, using our torches, we, we could make out a, f a faint a faint uh, text that read, Come on, Fuhugwa gods. Hi, stupid. everybody. Absolutely um, stupid. <laughs> this is I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your faves. I'm your host uh, and cultural anthropologist, Brandon Beck. Oh, my God. I'm your other host, Beth Scorzato. Um, and joining us today is uh, the main songwriter and uh, lead singer for the band Inkblot, which if you've been listening to this show, you've probably heard of, uh, and co-host of Land Before Timeland with uh, Chris Nebergall, it's Madeline May. Madeline, welcome to the show. <laughs> we, we just, we just had a discussion about her name. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Did I, I, I said, oh, God damn it. I, ah. I thought. I, oh I, my god! Uh, I'm so happy. I was nervous before coming on, but now I feel like totally relaxed. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> oh, you forgot what? What did you forget that when performing with Brandon, you're never the biggest idiot on stage? Yeah, yeah. It, that's, we, me and Brandon are competing to see who the yeah. biggest idiot is, though. To be oh, yeah. fair, watching for for people who've never seen an Inkblot show live, watching an Inkblot show live is just a, a whole show of Brandon and Madeline trying to have the best bit in between songs. <laughs> Yeah, it really it's, it's, is. It, it gets dirty and competitive. It's it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the two of us <laughs> fighting for attention while our drummer and bass player are just going, come on, you two. I mean, <laughs> Brian just kind of sits there and Jess is just like, oh, my God, I'm surrounded by idiots. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, Jess is usually the one who will like... 360 no scope us at the end of a bit. <laughs> that it, it, that's like good enough to be like, okay, yeah, maybe we should move on. Oh god, now. yeah, like maybe we should yeah. play music, the thing people we, paid money for. We have been making we have been making SpongeBob jokes for a, a good little while. Uh, we should probably play our 10 minute song that right. we're nervous about playing because it's 10 minutes long and emotional. Well, would you like to reintroduce our guest now, Brandon? Uh, huh, Brendan? Yes. Do you want to introduce our guest? Yes, I, Brendan Bach. <laughs> Uh, Brandon Bach. Joining us today is Madeline May. And a, th a thousand apologies again. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the show. It's Thank you for having me. I'm I'm really excited, and uh, I am a big fan of the podcast. Oh, thanks. We actually just did a SpongeBob episode. <laughs> speaking of your uh, speaking of stupid SpongeBob jokes. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of of the one episode of this show I listened to. Good, which we was like that. a. Um, you which, know what? Was, That's yeah, more than was, a lot of people. 
It's you know what I I think that's a shame because uh, that the one I listened to, which was uh, about Rocco's Modern Life, was very good and I enjoyed it. Oh yeah, that was a fun one. That was good. One. Nick Licker. That was the one where I tried to explain what Gamehenge was. Yeah, I was confused because like the first twenty minutes are about like some Dungeons and Dragons thing, and I'm like, yeah. is this going to talk about Rocco at oh, some point? Oh, it was Did about I... a fish thing. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. That's right. What one of my uh, a, 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 a fun little gag I pull with the band sometimes is if we're just kind of like jamming while like one person's out of the room or we're waiting for somebody else to show up. Um, I'll just start playing a riff. You know, it could be anything. Who knows? Whatever. Um, and then we'll jam on it for a little while, and then I'll go surprise. We just played a fish song. <laughs> yeah, he he tricks me by going, oh, like here's a really cool riff, and I'm like, yeah, did you write that? And he's like, no, it's fish. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah, just yeah. just sit on this just sit on this A minor for as long as you can and uh, well we'll call it a fish song. Well, I we actually, say the, yeah. No, I was going to say we just actually did a fish episode. It w- came out I think 2 weeks before this pod is coming out. Uh I don't know because I keep forgetting it in the programming because like I just like keep blocking it from my memory that it happened. <laughs> oh, I never forget. I've I've never forgotten that we talked about fish for nearly two hours oh my oh my gosh um no i before meeting brandon the most i knew about fish was that they were like that hippie band that played like full album covers sometimes sure and that was it that was really all i knew about them no i knew that just, they, I, I knew that one really song they a, you need to know they have they have frankly. a song they have a song called uh Susie greenberg somebody had shown me that song in college and that was the only song i knew by them a neurologist huh Yes. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> um, but speaking of neurology, before we get into uh, the the Torpic at Horned, um, let's talk about something we're into this week, shall we? Don't worry, I've got one. Um, if you've got yourself a Nintendo Switch, you're going to want to pick up the game Hades. It's uh, It just dropped a couple weeks ago. Um, it's a roguelike, uh, isometric, like, hack and slash thing where you play as one of the sons of Hades who's trying to escape from hell. Um, And every time you die, uh, it's a roguelike, so every time you die, you start back from the beginning of the game uh, where you are back in essentially the waiting room of of Hades or like the the intake room of hell uh, where your dad is sitting at a desk and judgmentally goes like, oh, you died again, huh? (laughs) Well, (laughs) um, and it's the... It's it's odd to say this about a roguelike, but the writing is so sharp. Um, all of the characters are uh, Greek gods, like you know Zeus and Dionysus and uh, Ares and stuff like that, um, and they're all written in this very their their voices are all so specific um, and like clever and willing to like kind of have a little bit of fun with the with the premise of like you know greek mythology without sort of you know shitting on it um but it's also horny as fuck oh yeah it's also horny as hell hell dog um like one of the one of the people that can bless you is uh dionysus who's just like your drunk uncle who's like hey let's go hang out (laughs) um but like all of the all of the characters are are voiced in this very like they all sound like high society characters on Game of Thrones, you know that sort of, like very high status accents. Except for your like training partner, uh, whenever you unlock a new weapon, is this skeleton who talks like he's from like Sheep's Head Bay. He's just like, yeah, I don't 
what, what do I know? I'm a skeleton. Yeah. And it's so, so good. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're looking for a, a, a good new video game that's not a full $60 purchase, and if you, if you like roguelikes, um, I, I would specifically recommend this one if you played and enjoyed Rogue Legacy, because it has a lot of the same kind of, like, progression mechanics, where you're not, even though you're starting from scratch every time, you're, you're making little bits of progress where, like, you're, you're, you're leveling up your base stats, or you're, like, adding to your you know, this magic hell mirror that gives you power-ups and stuff like that. So, like, unlike Spelunky or something, which feels very punishing, where when you die, that's just it, fuck you. That's what I call it when I'm putting makeup on. I use my magic hell mirror. <laughs> gives me power-ups. Yeah, you, you use your Spelunky, which is how all women use uh, makeup. Yes. We just go into the uh, Dr. Seuss-like Spelunky machine and come out yeah. uh, beautiful. <laughs> I was wondering how that worked. Yeah, yeah. oh, for sure. You've never heard all the noise going on in the bathroom? <laughs> it's very loud. That explains why every time you're getting ready, I, I hear... <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Powerhouse by Raymond Scott. That just automatically starts playing when I open the makeup case. Yep. Um, so, yeah, Hades is... Uh, it's it's fun. It's worth uh, checking out. Um, yeah, that's, that's uh, my thing. What okay. about either of you two uh well i finally got over the like first few episode hump and uh started watching schitt's creek and i'm um, all about it and i don't think i really need to sell people on that but but i finally finally did it very enjoyed really David. enjoying it you can't do it you can't do it Alexis no, I, Rose. I super can't i super can't <laughs> you truly can't all the all the vocal choices by every actor on that show are so specific and so good and and we we were talking the other day about how it's it's so it's so great to see Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara finally like really getting mainstream recognition. Like Shit's Creek aired on what like, pop TV yeah. for the first few years, a network that no one has ever heard of before or since. But then they drop it on Netflix, and next thing you know, uh, Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy are winning Emmys, and the whole the show is just sweeping the fucking thing. Um, and we had been talking about the fact that the, the two of them specifically have been working together for nearly 50 years, which has led to, like, an incredible chemistry and, uh, you know, dynamic between the two of them. Yeah, they're absolutely great. I mean, we talked about SCTV as the thing you were into a few weeks ago, so that's where they met, y'all. I'm dreaming of a white oh boy. Christmas. So, so that, that is a good show, then, uh, Schitt's Creek. That's, oh, um, yeah. I, I am really enjoying it, but, like, it definitely, the pilot, like, the first two episodes, for sure, which are, I mean, there there's the pilot and then the second episode, but they're really kind of one piece. Like, I could see them having been aired together, you know? Um, yeah. It, they are a lot, energy-wise. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of high-strung, rich people being tense at each other and having lived in a house full of high strung rich people being tense at each other for the first 20 years of my life. It was like a, a kind of a tough watch. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like a very, like uh, it's got a very strong energy. And if like you just kind of assume that the show is going to be like that energy and like that kind of characters the whole time, like it, it's just like not interesting. But if you give it a few more episodes, they, like, very quickly start 
um, fleshing the characters out, really introducing things. One thing I love that they do is they're not, like, the writers are not overly exposition-y. There's never anybody who's just like, and by the way, my name is Ted. Like, everything is introduced, exposition is introduced in, like, very organic ways. Um, it's just the writing is really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not the first person to say this, but you definitely gotta, like, at least get through the first two and just, like, let yourself experience a few more episodes of the first season before you decide if it's for you or not. Yeah, there's a there's a tonal change that to me felt a lot like that shift between season one of Parks and Rec and season two of Parks and Rec, where they like changed the pH balance of the show just enough that it went from <laughs> feeling like a little bit mean and a little too cynical to suddenly becoming this very sort of like warm and open hearted show. And Shit's Creek feels like it did that like in between its second and third episodes. I mean, that, that's that's really interesting because I, I remember reading like the description of, of Shit's Creek when it came out and just going, this is Arrested Development, right? Like it's the same concept? Or it that... kind of seems like it at first. Um, like it is a rich family that loses everything. But the thing is like you really jump in like in media res. Like from moment one, like people are freaking out. Got um, it. So Got it's it. just like the first two episodes are like kind of exhausting to watch. But they are necessary because you have to really set that high point for all the other character development to work. But like... Again, if you just watched, like, the first two and were just like, I'm exhausted, this show isn't for me, like, I totally get it. And that's what happened to me the first few times I tried to watch it. Um, but, like, once I actually did, like, keep going, it's incredibly charming. And it feels like Shit's Creek likes its characters more than Arrested Development did. That's like, Arrested fair. Development never really felt like it liked the Bluths all that much or had that much compassion for them, which is fair, you shouldn't, they're fucking monsters. Yeah, that's the point, you're not supposed to like these characters, yeah. Exactly, but like it, even still, like there, there's a difference between the audience like being able to, you know, connect with a character. Same way you're like not supposed to like Don Draper, but you you still like like to watch him. It's it's kind of that distinction, if that makes sense. And I mean that that is interesting. I think yeah, Arrested Development was probably most like that after season three and beyond, where the the characters were just like horrible. But like in the beginning, like I definitely remember enjoying the characters, and they were jerks, but they were entertaining jerks to kind of watch and follow but hey i will check out uh schitt's creek you have uh convinced me yay yay <laughs> what about you madeline anything you're into this week um oh god um i mean this i know week right feels... <laughs> welcome to my panic every episode uh i feel like this every week is has been the same for me for the last uh six or seven months i wonder why yeah well here's something i can talk about i decided to start um i guess a quarantine project where like you know like because when quarantine happened i feel like a bunch of us are like okay i have all this time on my hands so i'm gonna try and like consume some kind of media that like i never had time for and like never thought it would be possible for me to consume because i was so busy um, but now that I have the time for it, I am uh, attempting to watch, uh, all of one piece. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Uh, yes. There's so uh, much one piece. <laughs> How long does it take to look at a one piece that it's like a piece of fabric? Oh I, don't, my God. I don't get it. Well, a picture speaks a thousand words and more. For, for those listening who may not be familiar, uh, despite Brandon's bit, Please tell us what it is. It's like a bathing suit. It's it, but it's not like a. Bikini. Oh my god! It's, shut it's, up. It's like bridges both parts. It's still sexy though. Like a one piece is a fantastic piece of clothing. 
Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, One Piece is an anime that um, if basically the, the joke among anime fans is that One Piece is like a million episodes long and it's impossible to finish. It's so long. And it's what people know. And people will joke like, oh, there is a thousand episodes of One Piece, um, which there actually will be in a couple months. There will be a thousand episodes IRL of, of One Piece. But I always heard people really liked it. I had friends that had watched all of it. And they're like, it's the best anime ever. I'm like, that's impossible. This show's like going on. It can't be that good. So I decided to sit down and watch it. And I am almost at episode 400 of the wow. show. Good and, Lord. And yeah, it's an obvious, yeah, quite a hate watch, right? I just uh, want to want to get that. <laughs> that's two thirds of a Simpsons. Yes. And um, it's really good. I, I have to say that it absolutely is worth watching and everything that my friends had said was right. I didn't think a show could still be good after 400 episodes, but it is. And I, I'm actually shocked. So if you have too much time because uh, you were let go of your job because of uh, COVID like I was, then uh, you go ahead and watch One Piece. It's um, a, a lot of it's on Netflix right now, I think. Yeah, no, it definitely is because it keeps coming up on my recommended because uh, Netflix has got me. It's fine. I'm still trying to finish Fairy Tale, which is another one that has like a million fucking episodes. Oh god, yeah, I couldn't get I couldn't get into Fairy Tale. I did try to watch that one. I mean, I've been trying to finish Fairy Tale for like two years. <laughs> to be clear, absolutely fair. Is do we know if there's an anime that has more episodes than The Simpsons? I wouldn't be surprised if there was. There probably is, but I don't know of one off the top of my head. Well, how many episodes? How many episodes of The Simpsons are there? Um, I think we're we must be coming up on uh uh six hundred, if not close to five hundred and seventy four as of now. Okay, so, so like, in a in a a season and a half uh, will be at 600 episodes. So again, not not a joke. Like right now, like One Piece is still going. Like it hasn't stopped. And the creator says he's got another like five years left of the show. And they are now entering like the high 900s in episodes. Good Lord. Yes. So, yeah. That's so interesting <laughs> that like, it's it's so Anglo the way we talk about television is so anglocentric in this country that like it's it's always oh the simpsons is the longest running animated show oh gunsmoke was the longest running live action show whereas like a there's an animated show from japan that's been running for many hundred more episodes but it never comes up here in the states that's so that's so interesting but it is what's even more interesting is that it's actually a, a rarity in japan cuz most anime don't go for more than like a couple seasons and each season's like maybe like 13 episodes so yeah it is actually really surprising like they're they they kind of treat media the same way that like uh, the uk does where like a show gets like one or two seasons and that's it unless you're like downton abbey or something but like generally like anime shows are like really short unless it's something like super popular like uh, Dragon Ball or or Fairy Tale. Yeah, I just I just wish I just wish we gave animation more fucking credit in this country as a as a medium. I mean, speaking of though, I mean the true the true longest running series in our hearts, I believe, is probably Teen Girl Squad. <laughs> that is that is true in a perfect world true. there would be 900 episodes of teen girl squad i think that's that's absolutely true and in a perfect world we'd all get arrowed at the end of this uh at the end of this episode hey guys get ready to look so good <laughs> so, okay, arrowed. Let's, okay so let's get into it home star run go 
Um, oh, oh God, fuck. Uh, <laughs> so uh, if if you're not aware, which honestly, if you're not a, uh, a millennial in your mid thirties, you might not be. Homestar Runner was a uh, an animated, a flash animated web series created by Matt and Mark Chapman, or Mark and Mike Chapman. Two M names. I know that much. Oh, um, helpful. Two two brothers. Uh, based. It's not out like of, you don't have Google uh, in front of you. Well, they go. They go by professionally. They go by the brothers Chaps. Got it. Um, but uh, <laughs> they. Uh, it, it was a flash animated series that has just celebrated its twentieth anniversary within the last year or two. I think um, that debuted on its own website in, uh, in the early early aughts and uh, gave us uh, strong bad emails. Trogdor the Burninator, uh, Teen Girl Squad. Um, it was it was like a really like it, it it honest in a lot of ways felt like the first TV show on the internet like it was that consistent it came on every Monday morning they did like two hundred strong bad emails they they ran uh, this thing for a solid decade before they kind of dialed dialed it back a little bit yeah it kind of had its own world um, oh it absolutely it wasn't it absolutely just the did. videos but. But yeah, you can definitely tell exactly how old somebody is by how they respond to the way you reference an early Flash video. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at someone and go, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, somebody respond, like if I could tell exactly how old somebody is by, by just how they respond to, but I am really tired. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, that gives me away. Yeah. <laughs> um. But, uh, Madeline, uh, how did you get uh, into Homestar Runner? Uh, yeah, well, I think I got into Homestar Runner like a lot of us did, where um, somebody just uh, showed it to me and said, you got to check this thing out. It's called Strong Bad Email, and it's the funniest thing you'll ever see. And and they were right. And I guess it's hard to like kind of for, for people that weren't like on the Internet during that time, it is kind of hard to like explain like how popular Homestar Runner was. Yeah. Uh, for its time like it really was like the the simpsons of its era even though like it ha- is very has very little in common with the simpsons like uh tonally and, and things like that but it was like the show to watch like it was like you said like every week there was a new one like everyone was quoting it it was um it was honestly like some of the first memes you would see on the internet before there was even a term for me was just like people saying, like you said, Trogdor or like, I want to be the guy too. And things like that. And it was a a real like phenomenon. And I think it was the first like big success to come out of the internet. Like it, it wasn't the first animation to come out of the internet. There had been stuff before Homestar runner that been flash cartoons before Homestar Runner, um, Joe Cartoon comes to mind, if anybody remembers that. Um, Vaguely. I've had people remember that. Um, but Homestar was really like the first sh- first show on the internet that you could really call a show that wasn't just like a random uh, video of like a guy getting hit in, you know, with a, in his balls by a bowling ball. A lot of early uh, internet jokes is basically just uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. Uh, I, I, I don't even know if you need to say early. Just a lot of internet jokes. A lot of internet jokes. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of like like the era of like um, you're the man now, dog, and uh, stupid videos and and things like that. Um, e bombs world, and like 
of all this stuff, like it was basically just a bunch of random um, kids or, or people that are that are mentally um, fourteen year old boys uh, trying to outgross each other. Like that was a lot of what the early internet is, and still is today. Honestly, like oh, totally. let's not like let's Absolutely. not kid ourselves. But Homestar was really an anomaly out of this whole thing because it was a show that updated weekly. It was consistent, um, very consistent throughout its run. And it was basically like a G rated show, which was unheard of on the internet at that time. Cause everybody was just trying to gross each other out. But like Homestar runner was the cartoon that you could watch at any age. There wasn't any swearing. It didn't really get too violent or anything. Well, like, I guess that depends yeah. on if your parents think crap is a swear. Yeah, I guess that would be the most that they ever said was crap. Like, but that was the worst word they had. Because <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna say it felt like, it felt like Homestar is the the if you were the exact right age when it was at its peak to be a little too old for like Animaniacs, but still not full on like R-rated comedy person. Like Homestar Runner, I think really bridged that gap because, like, it it did have the the jokes could be a little bit friskier, but it wasn't necessarily like dark or gross. You know if that makes sense? Yeah, I think maybe that that TVY seven uh, rating like maybe TV applies. PG and a half. T- TV PG and a half. But again, like, I I really want to stress it's not like South Park or Family Guy or anything oh, no, like no, that. No. It it was nothing. Um, it, it definitely wasn't an, an adult animation. Um, it, but well, there, really, was that, there was that one strong bad email where Bubs drew a picture of Muhammad the Prophet, which was that, a bit problematic. Well, I mean that's not a, a rating thing, you know. At any age, sure. you shouldn't. At any age, you shouldn't see the the Prophet. It's a sin. But um, anyway, <laughs> any who said, um, yeah, Homestar was was really a, a very special thing, and I think it really defined and still continues to define like how we think about humor on the internet and like what we kind of think of like as being funny on the internet means and like what kind of jokes uh, come out of that culture because um, Homestar Runner really was a product of its medium that it really like utilized the internet and, and the internet culture to kind of build, um, uh, build what it was. And this was at a time before social media, like really there was before YouTube or anything like that. You really just found out about, Homestar through word of mouth and just like how funny these these um, strong bad um, emails were. Oh, totally. And, and I think the fact that like a lot of the early comedy on the internet that wasn't like you know kind of gross out e bombs stuff was uh, very like I I hate this as a as a term, but was very random and very like. Silly yeah. and very like like if you look at uh, Neil Cicerega's Animutations, you know, or like the uh, G.I. Joe overdubs like they're all just there's a lot of just like, oh, this is really random, you know, like, oh, I'm just putting a bunch of random imagery on this Japanese song and making a little funny video about it. But like Homestar, the characters were so strong and specific that I think that's why it's had a, a much longer shelf life than some of that other stuff has because like yeah it, it could it could lean a little bit on random at, at times but like they even made fun of that when they had strong bad do an email about making a random crazy cartoon which turned into just this like insane you know is this what you people want like random bullshit show 
Oh, yeah, a, a sweet cup and cakes with A, Steve. Where Bubs is the wheelchair, yeah. Um, yeah, and, I'm trying to think of, like, how to, because in preparation for, for this uh, podcast, I was trying to think of, like, how to, how to describe Homestar Runner to somebody yeah. that hasn't seen Homestar Runner. And, and, and the best I can, I can describe it for, for people that weren't around during the time is that Homestar Runner was a was a parody of children's uh, picture books, N- not not children's cartoons. I think that's a distinction. Like Homestar Runner was really like, what if like the characters in a, in a children's picture book were just like goofing off and kind of just doing whatever they wanted and like making fun of that world, which which goes into what Homestar Runner uh, originally was. Um, Homestar Runner was first... Uh, um, created by the the brother chaps um when they were i believe in college i think where they were um noticing how bad a lot of children's books were so they decided to make like a parody children's book like making fun of how bad children's books were and this became the first uh the first homestar runner thing and they would release this book and it didn't you know it kind of went whatever I, i don't think it was particularly successful but they ended well, I think up they just xeroxed it. Like, I think they did. Yeah, it was very, very lo-fi, very much kind of passed around friends. I mean, there them was and their pal Craig, yes. uh, who seems to have sort of dropped out of the picture after that initial. Uh, yes, uh, he. I mean, it basically just became. Uh, I, I think it's it's Matt and Mark Chapman are, are the, the the two of them. Um, but yeah, after that, I think um, they started to Matt explore. And Mike. Matt and Mike. Um, started to explore flash animation, which at that time was was pretty new. Um, and again, like this is at a time where like most websites were run on things like GeoCities and things like that. The internet looked very, very different than it does now. Angel it was Fire. Angel Fire. Like this was at a point where like seeing a cartoon on the internet was like magic. Like you didn't know how they did it. Yeah. Like it was. Yeah. It was. I mean, I feel, I feel so old talking like this. Well, no, I think it's also <laughs> worth noting. I think it's also like culturally worth noting that things like Homestar Runner really rose re- kind of the same time at um, South Park did. Yes, like you, like South Park had started on TV a few years earlier, and I feel like you don't yeah, have South Park has it beaten by about five years, I think. But but my point is, you don't have things like Homestar Runner if you don't have South Park. Yeah, absolutely, and, and uh, much like uh, Homestar, uh, South Park was made on a, on a weekly schedule, um, but they had a full studio team while it was just Matt and Mark <laughs> doing this cartoon every week. And what was really brilliant about Homestar Runner and like what eventually kind of made it successful was that it it developed into the style that was very simple. So it was easy to animate and because it was with flash flash as a digital program allows you to like save and reuse files in a way that's very convenient so you could have similar character models kind of appear and do different things um but the show never felt repetitive like i say the show because when we think about homestar runner we think about strong bad emails which was kind of like the breakout hit and like, like the bulk of the series. In the bulk of the series. Um, there, there were other... So to quote Walter Sobchak, bulk of the series, dude. <laughs> but like the, the rest of the... I mean, I also want to say like the rest of Homestar Runner's cartoons were also very good. I think um, ho- um, a lot of them just kind of got get forgotten because Strong Bad Emails was so good. But some of the full-length cartoons, like, like we were mentioning, uh, Teen Girl Squad, uh, Cheek Commandos was one of my favorite kind of spinoffs of uh, Strong Bad Email. Um, 
but like because they could reuse animation and like that they were able to release a new strong bad email every week and each episode was like a couple minutes long which kind of defined what we think of as like an internet product as something that's like a couple minutes long that you watch and then you kind of just move on uh to something else and um, i think most uh most interestingly like the the cartoons really utilized flash as a program like when you were done watching a strong bad email cartoon you could like click on the screen and find like a secret button that would play oh, like yeah. an extra thing and that was like mind-blowing uh to me as a kid because that what you couldn't do that on like a you know, on a tv cartoon that wasn't really possible it, it felt like you had some control plus the fact that they were called strong bad emails that you know, people were emailing them and they were making cartoons based off of what they were receiving, like made you feel like you were kind of like interacting with, with this world. On top of that, there were flash games that you could play the, the, the menu design of that original um, flash uh, home stream for Homestar Runner, I think is incredibly revolutionary. Like that was really just something you didn't see like online uh, very Tins. often. Yeah, exactly. Like it does. The fact Games. that every the fact that everything was so interactive like that, I think, is what really made it stand out, and why Homestar Runner is so important as specifically an internet cartoon, because that's how I think it's important to think about it. Like, it's a good show, but it is very much like a product of the internet, and something that I think can really only exist on the internet. Like, it's really so much a part of that that culture. Absolutely, and, and really only could have existed at that specific moment. And like in the it was it's so interesting now to sort of have the kind of cultural arc of of Homestar behind us because like it it burned real bright for a couple years there. But then the Internet just kind of like sped up and sort of moved on. And like a lot of early Internet stuff, it's kind of hard to find now. And I think the interesting thing about the fact that the interesting but also frustrating thing about the fact that uh Homestar is entirely in Flash, is that uh, Flash is ending in, like, two months. Yeah. Like, Ado Adobe's giving up su support for it. And so, like, they've been uploading their cartoons to YouTube for uh, a few years now. And, like, I don't know, there's a different mojo going to YouTube and watching a Homestar runner than, like, actually going to the website and, like, sort of being in its own bespoke world. Which, like, yes. it's going to sound kind of like a weird comparison, but... Uh, the Homestar Runner website in its early days, like I said earlier, like it really felt like its own world. It almost felt like, and it's a thing I don't think we do as much on the internet, or maybe if we do, it's just skewed younger, so I don't see it. But it felt almost like, like, like how Neopets was like its own world. <laughs> like yeah. you, you would go to these little like universes, self-contained universes on the web in a way that I don't think we necessarily do anymore. Nowadays, websites oh, are yeah. really more landing pages for something else than their own like small universe it was very much a like walled garden yeah which which most things on the internet were back then aol you know which which i think really speaks to how brilliant the the, the writing was on homestar runner and how just great of um creators and and creative types um matt and matt it's matt and mike right i'm gonna matt and mike, yeah. matt and mike. Two, both m's. M's. two m's uh the two that's gonna be the subtitle for this episode is gonna be matt and mike and mark and Mork. M and Eminem Chapman's. Yeah. And, Mindy, and Mark and Mindy. Um, and Mindy and Peter Tork and uh, Michael Nesmith. 
stupid. But, but I mean, I'm the one who started that <laughs> joke. That's on me. But, but, but anyway, um, the the world that they created is really good and really funny, and and the writing was really sharp, especially in like that golden era of of Homestar, um, uh, the the compy years, as I call it, um, was basically like what. I find like a lot of animation um, shows, it's really easy to tell like when the golden era is of it. Usually there's like an animation cue or like yep. a style change or something or a voice actor or change. a voice actor change. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Like SpongeBob has that. You can tell like anything, bef- anything pre high squeaky SpongeBob is amazing. Um, but like with, with Homestar, I think that really is when the, the Strombat emails were uh, on the compy computer. That was really when it was at its peak. Though I would argue it never really sank. Like the worst Homestar ever got was maybe like season ten of The Simpsons. Like I don't think sure. it ever got like really bad. But the point is, is that that um, the Chapmans were really good at like making like these really like funny jokes and like expanding on them in a way that like didn't feel like they were rehashing or doing like a, a catchphrase kind of thing where it became like too much like they knew exactly like how to do the right amount of like callback and and world building based often on like just one joke uh for instance uh the character homsar was created because somebody sent an email into strong bad just misspelling homestar they just took it literally he just took it literally. Like, that's the whole joke. He's like, someone sends an email like, I love when you're mean to Homsar. And he just goes to a different character called Homsar. And that's that was how that character was created. Who who sort of looks like one of those draw a character from memory things of Homestar Runner. He really does. And um, yeah, and you can even tell like, even in that first episode, he's not like fully developed. He doesn't have like the, the weird way of speaking yet. Yeah. Is he the sad gray boy? No, that's strong sad. That strong snap. Homestar's like, um, su- soup a can for president, please. Homestar's <laughs> the one I have on the t-shirt. Okay. That blue that blue t-shirt I wear all the time with Homsar. Okay. Oh, I see him. He's on your nightstand right now. See, we have a bunch of small Homestar figures in the bedroom, um, uh-huh. which would help me identify this, except for the fact that um, the small cat likes to steal them and run away with them in her mouth, and we find them all over the house. <laughs> uh, your your cat has good taste. When I when I went to Heroes Con, which is uh, a great convention in uh, Charlotte every summer, um, when I went one time in like tenth or eleventh grade, maybe. Uh, the chaps were there. I didn't realize it was them. I thought it was just like, oh, they probably have some people working their booth because they're so big. But uh, no, it was actually the, the the brothers at their booth. And I bought the full set of like little like three inch tall Homestar figurines. It probably amounted to maybe 12 of them all told, like pretty much the entire primary cast, Homsar, the Poopsmith, King of Town. Um, and then like a couple like, extra cheats and uh, you know additional home stars and stuff but for whatever reason my cat has such a specific vendetta against the coach z figure that (laughs) i would just like he will just appear in random spots in the house and anytime i look over she's just got him in his mouth in her mouth and is running off and i'm like what what why what do you have against you know what's your problem contorky yeah which also which also leads to me just imagining coach z on the shelf going no it's contorky <laughs> She's coming for him. Oh yep. no, it's Conjorka Jork. Um 
Well, to be fair, Koji is the creepiest of the Homestar Runner characters, so I can see. As the coach usually is. Yes. As the coach in anything is usually the creepiest. Well, I think that is that is the joke, though. Like, coaches are creepy. <laughs> though they did, they did finesse his character enough that, like, it wasn't, like, a sexual creepy. It was more just, like... Coach Z smells weird. <laughs> but he does, like, make some kind of off, off-color off jokes. Oh, like, he totally does. Um, but, like, but, like, like, they go out of their way <laughs> to make it, like, he's not the pervert in town. No, uh, but some of my favorite lines are, are Coach Z lines, like, eh, you say they're tomatoes, uh, I say they're mater morts. <laughs> and what's really funny, like, in, in case for people who haven't seen Homestar and are kind of just hearing us quote it, uh, most of the jokes are really just, like, getting words wrong. Or like, yeah. or like word puns. Like that was like ninety percent of the jokes in in Homestar Runner cartoons. But they were just so well done. And for for me at least, it really like I think influenced how I approach humor and how I kind of like think about humor. Just like taking something so simple and like twisting it around into something that it, it becomes like ridiculous. Whether you like you say it, you say it in a strange way, or you think of it in like a bizarre way. Like I still, to this day, like I always say a uh, labor daber every time labor day comes up mm-hmm. because I can't, um, not think about that. Um, but you, you mentioned that Homestar is now on YouTube, which I agree. It's not the same as watching it on the original flash site, but I am happy that it, it at least exists on some form yeah. so that people can watch it. It is unfortunate that you, that you don't get the full experience. Like you don't get the, the clicking on things. You don't get to like see some of the stuff. Um, and even like some of the YouTube stuff that is up there, like they haven't included like all of the clicking Easter eggs. So there is like stuff you're not seeing in some of these episodes. But I, I, I've been watching them a lot during quarantine just because they kind of pop up on YouTube and I kind of get into one of those um, those zoning out and I end up watching like 30 strong bad emails in a row because they're so sure. short. And they I find they hold up like really, really well. I think they're still incredibly funny. And I don't know if that's just because I grew up with them or what, but like it, it's really like I think they're really smart jokes and like uh, unlike a lot of stuff from the internet, like it's also like not like it's not like embarrassing as much to look back, or it's not as like it's not cringe. It's not cringe. It's also like pretty it's like very still, pure. It's very way. pure. Like aside from like a couple of like maybe awkward like strong bad oh the girls kind of jokes like early on, like it's basically like it's totally like PC in like a good way. I <laughs> I guess to, to, to kind of put it. Like there's yeah, like, not like the most like adult it would be with strong bad talking about like let's find some cold ones and some girls for makeouts. Yeah, but there's also like there's no like really like ethnic humor or anything like no. that. Like there's nothing that you would see in like other maybe cartoons of the time that'd be Which like is oh that's shocking given yeah. the time. <laughs> exactly, but like there's like again aside from like a couple of instances of uh you know a couple of problematic things here and there like for the most part like Homestar Runner is just as watchable now uh, as it was then honestly like the biggest problem i think going back is that there is only one female character in the show which is a product of its time but also like that female character uh, Marzipan is like one of the best characters on the show yeah they they really they figured out what to do with her and to sort of turn her original catchphrase was, I'm the only girl. Yes. Uh, which, like, very quickly gave way to, like, I'm the most fleshed out character. Yeah, because she was, like, this hippie character that played a guitar. Like, she wasn't just the girl character, which you would have seen on every other 
not only just television cartoon, but like um like anything on the internet. If any kind of web comic or like if there was a cartoon, their their character was I am the girl character. It did seem like that one of her primary characterizations was that she doesn't seem to like her boyfriend all that much. No, she which is uh, which she, is fair. That's one of the running jokes that she keeps breaking up and getting back together with Homestar, <laughs> like per episode, which is um which is really funny. Well, I, I think I think too the. The the jokes on this uh, the jokes in Homestar are really good, but I think one of the things that gives it its longevity is how developed the how developed and diverse the the characters are, just in terms of like visual style and just like vocally. There's so many different like sounds coming at you from a from a Homestar. Like there's nobody that sounds like a normal person basically, but like. It's almost like the Looney Tunes where if you take you can take any two Looney Tunes and pair them together and something funny will happen. You know, even if it's like, you know, uh, Marvin the Martian and like, oh, I don't know, uh, that weird like vulture with the stutter. OK, you know, yeah, that's it, a that's a, a deep cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like, but like it, it could be it could be that. But there you would still be able to find something intrinsically funny in the way you could make those two characters interact and it's it's the same thing with with Homestar like you you didn't see Bubs and the Poopsmith together very often but if you did there was going to be some really funny joke about you know whatever their particular dynamic was you know and like I I I think that really helps for why it lasted so long just because they were, you you could easily try to imitate the funny voices and the characters were all so specific <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, I do strong bad just constantly in my everyday life. Like whenever okay. I get the chance, I get it like, oh, you know, it's like, you see these dishes here on the sink. Uh, maybe you think about uh, getting some soap suds or uh, some soap spuds. Who so. ate my fancy conditioner? <laughs> Stupid. Um, but. Well, like uh, Looney Tunes, um, all of the characters were voiced by one person, which was, um, I believe, um, uh, Matt was the voice of all yeah, of I think them. Yeah, I think it's Matt, yeah. Matt was the voice of all the characters except uh, Marzipan. Um, and fun- oh, and, the, and the, when the cheat would do cartoons, Yes, I was about to mention that. The other brother did the voices for <laughs> Which them. is so, like, smart. And, and I think that's what Such was really... I mean, that was really good about Homestar was that it was really self-aware, but, like, not in an annoying way or, like, a pretentious way. It was really, like... It knew, like, what it was. It knew that it was, like, this silly show with these characters that would only exist in, like, a, a children's media format. Uh, but like it would have like the cheat would make flash cartoons and it would make fun of like what a lot of flash cartoons were at the time. Oh yeah. Like everything on Newgrounds. It's, it's, it's exactly. Which was another, you know, another one of my favorite things growing up was, was Newgrounds. Um, but like, it, it's weird because I, I'm a firm believer that there's no such thing as a piece of media that isn't um, political or, or making a social commentary in some way. I think it's impossible to make something that doesn't say, something or have some kind of a message or opinion that's just what happens when you, when you create a piece of art but for some people that's not the intention exactly even if that's not the intention um it's often especially if that's especially not the yeah and um uh much like uh, uh rush says uh if you choose not to decide you still have made a choice so uh rush. No- <laughs> sorry i shouldn't say that i work on all the officially licensed rush graphic novels but it's a really good running <laughs> It's like a well-known running joke that I work on all these books and I have zero interest in Rush. Wait a minute. There are Rush graphic novels? 
Oh, uh, we'll 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 hook you up. The only one we've done so far is um, the making of a farewell to kings. Um, that one came out this year, and um, we also have like a collection of like Rush fan tunes. Once a week, I I go in and I do all the mail for the store, and I just we have a Rush coloring book. Uh, <laughs> trying to think of what else. I have watched multiple documentaries about Rush this quarantine. This honestly sounds like a Homestar Runner cartoon, to, to be honest. Like, um, that that was the thing, though. Like, home, like the Homestar version of this is, like, Limousine was, like, their fake rock band oh, yeah. that, they, that they created, which was, like, this, this 80s Limousine! Limousine! <laughs> I have to stop myself from doing the Limousine voice at least once during every show we've ever played. Oh, it's... He it's, does uh... do it sometimes, though, like, around the house. Oh, I mean, if oh, you start, yeah. if you start Come doing it, oh, I'm gonna start doing it too. It's like we're the band Ink Blot, and we're gonna rock, woman, Ooh. tonight driving down Sepulveda. <laughs> and that's the point at which Jess is just like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jess will walk off the stage. Yeah, Jess will just leave. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I really need, I really need to learn how to tap like Eddie Van Halen just for that limousine moment. <laughs> Um, no, at some point we're just gonna impromptu just cover a song from Homestar, and I, half the band will leave. Oh, we, uh, <laughs> um, actually, low key, we should we should talk about. Oh yeah, that we'll talk about there. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, can, I actually think there are actually a couple that we could do. <laughs> I got mad at the cheat for screwing up the jumble caper. <laughs> I, I was also thinking we should call our our first album Internet Jokes, but that's uh, a different different conversation oh yeah we'll talk about that you know what's really <laughs> funny is we've been talking about homestar for like a good portion but we haven't even like mentioned like trogdor or um stinko man or any of like the really famous emails that's true yeah i i, I think but i i want to say that like there's a reason to that because i think most people when they think about homestar if they know anything about it they probably only know about trogdor which was like the big breakout email like that was the one that really kind of put them on yeah. the map like and, big enough to get referenced in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, exactly. Like again, like Homestar was huge back in the day. Let, let, let's let me put this in perspective. Um, there was a Telltale Wii adventure game, Homestar. Oh, oh yeah, like, there was Strong Bad's cool game for attractive people. There was, and they made five episodes of this. Um, actually, it wasn't even no, it was for the Wii. I think you can now get it on computer. It's it's still out there. It was it was we it was we in we in PC we in PC uh, R I P to Telltale Games for being I guess secretly a shitty company but anyway <laughs> uh, other conversation but like um I one of the, my favorite things was that Trogdor was in Guitar Hero two as a bonus so song right, he was so like Homestar was everywhere for like oh, yeah. a, a little bit of time those, like that was the thing were yeah. those games were real good they they yeah. they remind me of Stick of Truth a little bit in that like. It, yes, it was a licensed game, but it didn't feel like Telltale had just bought the license, you know, looked at the pitch book and gone, all right, we'll have this weird boxing gloves guy say crap and, you know, move on. Like, like the brothers, like, wrote it and did all the voices, and it really felt of a piece with with the Homestar world while moving it into the medium of adventure games, which they had already made a couple like adventure game pastiches on the website over the years. So it felt like a very natural thing, but it also has one of my favorite jokes in all of Homestar. The, I think second episode is essentially like a, you're playing a game of risk essentially where uh free country USA, which is where uh Homestar takes place um, has been split up into a bunch of different like regions and, and everybody 
you know, is ruling a different part. And at one point you can go to the Hamsar reservation where he's just like, you know, sitting there just doing his like, I was raised by a pot of coffee, you know, sort of thing. But as you collect these gems that like translate what he's saying, he goes from sounding like Hamsar to like an exposition character in like a fantasy movie. So he'll be like, <laughs> Homestar or strong bad. My society is falling. Please help. <laughs> and it's so, it's so fucking funny. I'm also, I, I didn't mention it earlier, but I'm seriously considering getting a Hamsar tattoo as one of my next ones. Oh, hell yeah. I'm into it's gonna that. Go, it's going to go in my ankle across from where I have my uh, 8-bit Luigi tattoo, and it's going to just be a picture of Hamsar, and it's going to say Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer. Stupid. Oh, so so stupid. It no, it, it, it's amazingly stupid. Um, yeah, I, I guess like, well, here, I mean, I'm trying to think of like what what more there is to say. I mean, I know we're we're, we're inching on a, on an hour on this podcast here, but um, yeah, I think like Homestar for people who want to get into it, I think try and watch. Like, I don't know when this this episode is is airing. Like, it may not exist anymore by the time this episode comes out, but. If it comes out before December, try and look at. Oh, it does. Okay, okay. So try and like look at um, uh, the Homestar website. Um, binge it again. Each thing is like two minutes long. Um, start with the emails. Um, uh, I think of the Compi era, really good. I Me mean, watch Trogdor, watch um, the the Stinko Man anime one. Those are like legitimately funny. And then kind of just go down, look at some of the bigger cartoons. They still make cartoons now. Like they're not as common anymore, but they still do make like one or two Homestar Runner cartoons a year, usually yeah. like a, like a Halloween special, and they're still pretty funny. Mm. They went they they essentially went on hiatus from around 2009 or so. It really started to slow down like my second year into college, um, but they went on a hiatus for maybe three or four years where well the, the well what happened really... well you know what happened was was that they got jobs writing like tv cartoons like that's how yeah, good they well, were that's yeah that's what i was that's what i was gonna get to yeah yeah um, um yeah they what that one of them started working on uh gravity falls yep which is which feels very home star yes. in its sense of humor um and they also did a in that time they did a a series for disney xd online mm-hmm uh, called uh, Two More Eggs, which really felt like it felt like they were trying to capture that same sort of early Homestar vibe where there were like three or four different like recurring sketches or characters, but otherwise they were just these like two to three minute little like silly shorts that that had the had the same vibe as the early Homestar stuff. And they were they were really funny. They were really smart. Um and then they got canceled, which is unfortunate. Uh, I know both of them also wrote for uh, Wander Over Yonder. It's another Disney right. show. Oh yeah, which features oh. music by uh, Andy Bean of the Two Man Gentleman Band, uh, a great band featuring two gentlemen, and and created by Craig McCracken, one of the, one of the great uh, anime animation creators of our time. Oh, I didn't realize it was it yeah. was it was Craig McCracken. Yep. Yeah. Um, but from what I understand, I think the story goes that they actually became like disillusioned with Hollywood. Like after they moved out there and worked for writing cartoons, they found that they didn't like it. So they did just move back to, um, their hometown, which I think is, um, I can't remember what state it is, but it's Uh, Georgia, Georgia. They moved back to Georgia. Believe me, growing up in North Carolina and having the creators of your favorite cartoon feel like they're like right next door 
felt weird, like weirdly it was very meaningful to me knowing that like, oh, there's some dudes in the in the South that are making silly cartoons. You know, maybe I can do that. Yeah. And they had like some really high profile admirers like uh, they might be giants guest on like their 200th email. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I saw them perform with They Might Be Giants once. Which is, I mean, awesome. I wish they came to California because I would have 100% have seen them. Oh, They uh, Might Be Giants? Or no, uh, Homestar. Because I know they were doing like a limousine, like kind of, they did like a couple shows as limousine. Oh, uh, right, right, right. Oh, and, no, what, what I meant, it was during the uh, the tour for The Spine, which is when the experimental film video came out. Right. Uh, for a couple years there, whenever They Might Be Giants played in Atlanta, uh the brothers would show up with their strong bad puppet and like their home star puppet and just like do a couple songs with the band. And it was so good. That's awesome. Yeah. I wish I, I had seen that. I know they also opened up for, of Montreal. Um, I believe, um, again, I like, so, I mean, again, like some of the biggest names in like indie rock, um, her all just, yeah, everyone just, just loved home star. And it, it's, it's, it's funny that like, and I think it also is very, indicative of it, of it being a very different time is that it never it never went beyond the internet like it never they never had ads but they also never like really tried to put it on tv i mean they might have pitched it around who knows but there was never this big push of like oh this is this is successful on the internet so we're really gonna blow it out and like make it a tv show and sort of you know seed some of the control um they like really kept it very like very pure there were no ads um which which feels like now if you launch a cartoon on the internet like half the expectation is okay we do enough of these somebody will give us a tv show right yeah i well i think that's what was really cool like they never really they they never became like a big studio it was only just like a couple of them um it was it was the, the chaps and then like a couple of their friends would help animate and do things like that like all the songs were written by them like everything was was recorded in their house they built their own little studio to kind of make these things and it, it really just shows like how i don't like how i guess honest which you know like honesty when it comes to, to media is kind of a, a liar you know because it's it's you the, the, the idea of like creating something as honest is kind of its own like catch-22 but oh, like it's, it's literally impossible it's literally impossible but like it really did feel like genuine in a way that something that was you know on television or on something that was like a major uh corporate network um it, it was that kind of honesty that you couldn't just have because it was something that was self-owned self-funded um, I think like in the early days, like there, it was basically their parents were like helping them pay like the website costs and things like that. Oh, yeah. Like like they they were very open about the fact that like after a few years, their their job mainly became selling T-shirts. Yeah. And that like their parents were basically the ones packaging everything. And I, I guess for like a certain generation, which is which is me and Brandon, like it really is like something that it's it really was like the best thing like it was like the, the my it was the coolest thing on the internet it was the funniest thing on the internet there were other things but like homestar was like the one that was the one that everybody else was referencing in their shows it was the thing everybody was trying to stay on top of like anybody that like responded that that did a Q&A or did an email response would always say like we're just doing like homestar jokes we're just doing yeah. like oh, yeah. it was it, it really like again like I I said it before but it really was like the Simpsons of its era like it was like the early oh the early I kind mean of... I remember all the 
all the guys I was friends with in high school were obsessed with it. And it was like a big thing to make sure you saw it every week to the point where, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Homestar Runner website was blocked on our high school's computers. <laughs> I guess too many people. Um, because That's it funny. was so popular. Yeah. That, um, makes, that makes sense. And the school, for uh, some reason, was the school was just unsure if it was inappropriate or not. So they they hedged on the side of not appropriate and just blocked it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, my, I think my school did the same thing. And I think, too, that, like, because Homestar started off as something that wasn't meant to be anything more than just, like, hey, we're going to make this silly book to kind of amuse our friends, it, it grew in a very organic way. It didn't feel like, oh, we're going to make this thing and, like, try to get a TV show out of it, or we're going to, you know... It didn't feel like there were any ulterior motives at first other than, hey, this is a, this is a funny thing we did. Let's do some more of them. Yeah, it felt you like a, an inside joke that you were in exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The same way that, like, you know, like, those old Conan sketches would feel like. Of, like, this is a weird thing that, like... I don't know why this exists, but I'm glad it does. Yeah, like there's like a lot of jokes on Homestar like only make sense if you've been watching Homestar. Like it's it's again like it, it is hard to describe for for people that didn't grow up with it, but um it it's yeah. But it's definitely like a piece of cultural history that like if you're interested in the early days of the internet or if you're interested in like internet animation and like how it's evolved in the past 20 years like homestar is an absolutely essential capsule piece to check out uh yeah yes and i think it's yeah i think just if you like cartoons in general i i would recommend it um i i think also that just the the history the strange influences that homestar had is, is also a very fascinating to me like I don't, I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but like the word doge actually first appears in a strong bad email. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Doge with that spelling and that, and that, um, in that, um, p pronunciation, um, is said by the strong, one of the strong bad, uh, video game faces. The one that's like, your head explodes. Oh, sure. uh, there's an email uh -huh. with them where he's like, what's up my doge. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, I, I think I, the, uh, the, like, old compy, like, fail sound that they used to use all the time is maybe the most perfect sound effect of all time. That, like, Yeah, and I mean, the humor is definitely of an era, but, like, if you go into it knowing that, they're de they definitely hold up. Like, yes. if, if you're gonna penalize, like... It's one of those things where you know it just if you know you're the kind of person that's going to penalize something for like not being what you currently find funny, like it's not going to be for you. But like it is very of its time. <laughs> oh, ab absolutely. Um, oh, you know another weird place that it kind of popped up is uh, for anyone that that likes to watch um, speed run videos, which I'm kind of really into watching video game speed runs. Um, there, there's a whole, um, genre of video game called, I want to be the guy, which are like these brutally difficult, um, Oh, I've played that game. It's fucking hard. And I love hard platformers. Yeah. And that line comes from the, the Stinko man cartoon when, um, oh, Homestar, right. Homestar says that. And yeah, and I guess it's weird to think of like, I always think of like, like for instance, like Calvin and Hobbes is like biggest legacy is probably that, like that Calvin pissing on sticker that's on like trucks and stuff yeah like that's the thing but that's, that's kinda... also completely yeah. unlicensed 
It is. It is completely. Yeah. It makes me so sad that you're correct. But like, I kind of feel like that's what Homestar's kind of version of that is. Is going to be like these. I want to be the guy. These fucking uh, Doge memes. These things that like kind of came out that you would never think that like you could actually trace it back to Homestar. But um, uh, that is the thing. Or 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 like or like an image of Bubs as the wheelchair that says ACAB on it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd I'd wear that shirt. For I sure, actually, I would actually. I would one hundred percent. I would. I would buy that right now. <laughs> oh, cops are bastards, eh, Steve? Well, looking for it soon on Redbubble, I'm sure. Uh, that being said, thank you so much for coming on with us, Madeline. This has been well, thank great. You. Thank, yes, thank you for having me. I I'm really excited uh, to be on. And uh, if you're still around in ten years, I would love to talk about One Piece once I finish it. Yeah, right. Cool. <laughs> uh, if people, uh, if do you have any, do you have any plugs or uh, where are you at with uh, if you want people to find you on the internet or not? Uh, yeah. Um, because yeah, you have your show. How can people yeah. follow your show and yeah. stuff? Uh, yeah, I, I do a, a podcast um, with uh, my roommate, Chris Nebergall, called Land Before Timeland, where we are uh, watching every movie in the Land Before Time uh, franchise, of which there are 14. In my college dorm room, in the living room, there was a Land Before Time, I want to say it was like four, poster that my college roommate had because she won it in a like pizza hut promo when she was in middle school and just still had it and just thought it was the funniest thing. So it was up in the wall, it's up on the wall in our living room in college. It was basically just the poster with like a big pizza hut logo down in the corner. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, it was like, you know, search for the forbidden Valley sponsored by pizza hut. Try our new stuffed crust. Oh, uh, one of our, one of our guests came on and said that they used to have at Denny's a, every Denny's kids menu would be like the new land before time movie. And be like the same maze and and all that stuff, but um, but but anyway, um, yeah, uh, uh, check that out. There, um, you can check that out on SoundCloud. Um, I'm sure there'll be links uh, in the description or whatever, and that's got a Facebook, Twitter, and uh, all that. We have guests that come on. Um, Brian Rubinow, who is also in Inkblot, is uh, was a guest on one, and um, yeah, it's a really it's a really fun time. Um, also, yeah, uh, I guess Brandon. Um, plugs Inkblot on this show, which which I appreciate. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Um, that is our band, and we're the and we're great. We you should listen to our demos. They're really I like. Yeah, them. we're 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 <laughs> we're fun, and and we'll we'll hopefully have some more some more stuff coming y'all's way. Yeah, uh, at least hope at least hopefully some new pictures. Um, I'll, uh, let's just say I have a new look since taking a lot of those uh, band photos, uh, and maybe a different name. Who knows? Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, quarantine. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, I, I guess, uh, oh, I guess one other really quick plug. I just started this, um, this writing project on medium mm-hmm. with, um, with, uh, this guy, um, Anthony Kozlowski. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's a, uh, writer and he we have, um, he's been to a couple of our shows, but he, um, I joined his writing project where we basically send um, uh, quarantine letters to each other and kind of talk about the stuff we've been dealing with and thinking about during quarantine and like just different topics that are on our, our minds. So um, that is on medium and there's guest writers for that too. So uh, cool. I think it's, I, I think it's called, um, I can't remember what it's called, but we'll send you a link and it's, it's very fun. And uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Nice. Brandon, 
Yeah, um, I'm on my same bullshit all over the internet. Uh, I'm at Hell Yes Brandon on all of the things. I've got the Happy Sappy Grown Up Hour, uh, third Wednesday of every month on twitch.tv slash pack theater. Um, I've been making videos and songs for, for that show all year. Um, we've sort of transitioned away from being a kind of like half talk show, half half sketch kids show thing like we were as a live show and have just fully become a filmed monthly sketch show that we're shooting you know safely during quarantine that really does feel like a kids show for adults and I, I think it's it's really cool and really unique to uh what's going on uh on or at least compared to what's going on on the rest of uh the pack twitch um last month I had a uh a video for them the theme was regret and I wrote a fake Fleetwood Mac song called We Never Should Have Banged, which should be up on the internet somewhere by the time uh, this has come out. Um, yeah, all the all the Inkblot stuff, um, as we said before, you can find us on SoundCloud. I uh, got some live shows on YouTube. Our, uh, we just released our Tom Waits cover from uh, a, a <laughs> Shrek, uh, a Let's, Make, Let's Remake Shrek 2 project that... Uh, was felled by some sort of Shrek-related drama, so we just decided <laughs> to release it ourselves. And and I and 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 Madeline knows this. I'm usually not the lead singer for the band, but I can do a kind of decent Tom Waits howl. So uh, I completely blew out my voice doing one take on this thing. I I think I like to think we're all kind of the, the lead singer in in this band. Um, and Jess, who we haven't talked about at all, also sings some of these songs. So uh... that's true. Yeah, I guess we I guess we all do sing. <laughs> well, there you go. I also, uh, at this at this point of the year, hopefully, um, I should have, I'm going to officially announce it, I should have an EP out, hopefully by the end of the year, that is uh, tentatively called Hat on a Hat. Um, six songs, 20-ish minutes. Um, it's, it's a lot of stuff I've been working on over, over quarantine. Uh, got a couple cool little guest spots on it. Um, but once I once I have and it's more a couple of older on. things too. One of the things on it is um, the very first time you ever performed "Is This Anything," which you guys also do with Inkblot. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. Um, yeah, one one of my songs about like the the struggles of being creative and figuring out if if an idea is good or not um, started as an acoustic song that we now do uh, with with Inkblot, which actually winds up having the most stressful part of an Inkblot show for me. <laughs> remembering Wait, why, the words is... to your own song actually no um when we uh so one of the verses is uh about it mentions the song maggot brain uh by funkadelic assuming you know what maggot brain is um and once that's mentioned we then go into maggot brain up until that point the song is a country waltz and uh then it becomes this just like parliament funkadelic shred fest where i literally just go down my pedal board and turn on everything <laughs> um but the stressful moment is at the end of that guitar solo going back into the uh three quarters waltz uh with all my shit still turned on <laughs> yeah so i have to like really figure out like okay am i gonna turn off what am i gonna do am i gonna turn off the fuzz or am i gonna turn off the delay um, I usually just kind of wind up mashing vaguely at my pedal board with my foot and turning off whatever I can, and then just kind of letting the band play the rest of the song and maybe yeah. hitting a chord if I can. Yeah. The I can, second I most even... 
Yes. No, go ahead. Well, I gotta say, like, I, I didn't even know that you had problem with that because I always felt like that transition sounded very natural when we were playing that on stage. Yeah, so. it sounds good, but but he stresses yeah. about it. I was going to say the second most stressful part of any Inkblot show for Brandon is knowing what any of the songs are. Yes. Even even when we have like the set list printed out, it's. <laughs> he just. I swear to God, Maddie. He just waits for you to start playing and then goes, "Oh, it's this song." You know what? I feel like, you know, you can't be too comfortable in a band. You know, you start to get uh, you start to get lazy. You know, you need a little bit of an excite, exciting random element. Like, who, yeah. what could happen? And that's uh, what Brandon brings. I... <laughs> like, like my lead guitarist doesn't know any of the chords to the song, just how to play them. <laughs> well, he, you know what? He knows the melody, so. It's, we were, it, it works. Like, we've, we've, <laughs> we've pulled it and, off. And that, that has been the thing I've always tried to tried to bring to Inkblot is uh, I, 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 I'm going to go out of my way to try to get us to improvise, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, and why, that's what I like about Inkblot as a band is I think we, we all bring such different energies to the project between you, uh, me, um, Brian, and Jess that like it all just kind of meshes in this really interesting way where like separately we may not have all done this kind of music, but like when we put it all together, I think it really creates like a really unique sound that I, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to, um, to be a part of. I just like to make fun of Brandon because I come from a music, like a classically trained music reading background. (laughs) So to me, when I'm like, do you know what the chords are? He's like, no, I just play it. (laughs) And I'm like that, that sounds insane to me that you can't tell me what chords are in this song. Like honestly, I don't need to know what the chords are. Oh, that just stresses me out. Is. I know what the key is. That stresses me out so bad. Well, well, Brandon is an amazing guitarist, an incredible lead guitarist, and we're we're very lucky to have him in Inkblot. Aw, and yeah, he'll have hat on a hat out by the end of the year. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'll keep y'all posted on that. Beth, what about you? I can be found everywhere on the internet at B scores with an underscore at the end, B-E-E-S-C-O-R-E-S. The easiest way to find me, though, is to probably follow the uh, hashtag IntuitPod on Instagram, because I post all those because I was too lazy to ever make an Instagram for the show. Um, but you can find us on Twitter at, uh, at IntuitPod, and we're also on Facebook if you are still existing there for some reason. It's a nightmare. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've got all that going on. We don't know if we're doing a show next week on twitch our monthly live show it's the fourth thursday of every month um next thursday is of course thanksgiving uh we were given the option that if we would like to do one anyway we can but we're still working out if we can get a guest that'll do that with us um so i don't know follow us online keep uh we'll keep you posted if if you're home by yourself because we all can't go home for the holidays or if you're with your family and you just want an excuse to fuck off for an hour Keep keep us in mind. You can come watch us talk for an hour at 8 p.m. next Thursday. Maybe we'll keep you posted. I know. What a great plug. Um, Thank you, as always, to Kalen West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song. Starting Over is a lot like giving up off the album Falling is Like Flying. Uh, She's got a lot of great stuff out other than that, too. Go check her out. That's all I got. And if I could stress one more time before we, we, we end here, go watch Homestar Runner. Time is running out for you to be able to actually see this, like go, go watch it. You have a month and then it's yeah. going to be very difficult to watch Homestar Runner. Yeah. 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 We're all getting so old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and on that note. Yeah. I, and on, 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 on that, that depressing note, note <laughs> uh, you know, to, to, to quote a great coach of mine, uh, 
Sharks for coming on the shore, Mordlorn. That's uh, a good thing to have him here on the, uh, I, I think you'd, you'd be, uh, into it, um, I don't know, I just sounds a whole lot like my show, and, uh, I'm gonna sue you for all of the dumplings that you have. You don't even know what a lawyer is. Uh, seriously, you guys, that was the best podcast I've ever seen. Screw you guys, I'm going home. Yeah, I guess my home star does sound like, uh, <laughs> sound like Hartman. <laughs> uh. All that being said, podcast over. Uh.